episode of the tome show is brought to you by listeners like you thanks for using the tomes amazon and DD classics affiliate links hey this is elminster of shadowdale and you're listening to the tome welcome to the tome a DD news reviews and interviews show and i'm your tome host jeff greiner and I'm Tracy Hurley, and in this episode, number 237, we're going deep into the Doom Vault, below the theme out. But it was all sort of an accident, stupid exploding portals, as we discuss Dreams of the Red Wizards, Dead and Thay. And joining us for this episode is our very own senior editor, Sam Dillon. I'm not sure you can call the railroad an accident, but hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> as well as the host of the roundtable, James Introcaso. Hey, how's everybody doing? And the Tome Show Book Club regular, Eric Impacat. Hello. Quite a prestigious panel we have with us tonight. Today, whenever you're listening to this, this morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Go. Yes, yes, we'll, we're sipping tea with our pinkies up. <laughs> so, before we start talking about the product, we should quickly explain what it is. Uh, Dead and Thay is a PDF-only product available through dndclassics.com. It's the current season of Encounters, but is also supposed to be playable in an organized play setting or a home setting. It's about $18.00. And it's 107 pages written by Scott Fitzgerald Gray. So if you're interested in this or any other D&D PDF, be sure to visit D&D Classics through the banners on the tomeshow.com, and you can help our show out in the process. All right, let's get into it. What is Dead in Thay? It's a PDF-only adventure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was thinking more about the story. <laughs> well, the premise is basically you go... Uh, stopped the Thayans in their invasion at the Bloodgate Nexus. And then once you've done that, you're tr- supposed to return home, uh, chaos ensues, and instead you're sent to into the Doom Vault, this big, huge dungeon underneath Tay itself, where there's a bunch of laboratories and experiments happening. Right. And in some ways, it, it's a continuation of some of the stuff we've been reading in the Sundry novels. Mm-hmm. Yes. It, yep. it, it, it sort of explains some of the things we've seen in the Sundry novels. It sort of wraps up the previous uh, Scourge of the Sword Coast uh, adventure. It also kind of connects to uh, Ghost of Dragon Spirit Castle. Um, it's sort of, you know, it's kind of related to all of this, right? Right. Murders in Bouldergate. Murder in Bouldergate. Yeah, in a very. In a very Easter egg kind of way, not in a very major way. Yeah. Or in a, if you are interested in all those things and you played through some portion of them or read some portion of them, you'll recognize events and characters, but not, not in a major, this is necessary for you to have known about to understand the joke. Well, and and some more than others, right? I mean, I feel like the connection Mm. to um, um, the previous Scourge of the Sword Coast, uh, uh, that, that one's a little stronger, right? Because that the end of that one leads into the beginning of this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a direct sequel, so... Right. And, and there's, and there's characters, characters from that one. Whether that, they that do that up. very well is up for well, the, objective <laughs> opinion. Though. Well, tell us about that, Sam. Sure, it's meant to be a direct, really secure connection, but in my mind, it's not. Okay, why not? <laughs> uh, the, the connection is that um, the, the Scourge of the court, Sword Coast, the, the idea was that you were looking for the Bloodgate so that you could destroy it and stop the Theans from um, bringing a whole bunch of demons and, and wizards and everything and invading the Sword Coast, so you're rescuing the Sword Coast. So it ends with you finding out where the Bloodgate is and and now you start this adventure and you have to go to where the Bloodgate is and you have to um, 
go in there and uh, find some elemental nodes and and get the keys from those elemental nodes so that they can uh, you can destroy the blood gate. Which, um, is, the, which and, is the part that's connected to Dragon Spear. Right, because that's, that's when they got the, the elemental. Things. Right, and that's the elemental keys. That so the Red Wizards are are using those elemental keys that they got in that other adventure okay. to power the blood gate so that they can then use it as a portal. But the thing is that you destroy the blood gate in the very first session of this adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when you destroy it, um, a, a renegade red wizard comes and uh, saves your life by teleporting you to the doom vault. And then she says, well, I need you to weaken the doom vault and then I'll be powerful enough to send you home. Right. So you then spend the other 15 sessions of the 16 session, you know, or however long, I don't really know how long <laughs> you're going to do the encounters, but basically you literally spend a half a session dealing with the Bloodgate and and not even really tying up loose ends and then you get railroaded into being teleported over to this whole other thing. Mhm. Yeah. I so uh, I agree. It, it, it wiped out the whole, you know, the whole the whole scourge of the Sword Coast was doing all these different things to find. Oh, we got to find this thing. We got to get you know all this stuff and all this information, and then, well, you you've now resolved that in the first yeah. hour. You, of get, your, you get there and it's over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, no. the the interesting part about it, I find though, is for in an organized play when you have multiple tables, you can actually have multiple tables in different parts of the. In, in different parts of the uh, of the Doom Vault, mm-hmm. so they can tackle different places and coordinate each other. All that. In fact, they, with the Dean Encounters program, they give you us a big, huge poster map where you can with stickers where you can track where people have gone to. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, so that that is a cool aspect for organized play. But if you're playing, yeah. But it's also uh, one of those aspects that I think works really well for organized play that makes it difficult to translate into home play. Oh, absolutely. Because like, like, yeah. like Sam said, it's, it's like 16 sessions. Unless you're doing organized play with a lot of different groups, in which case it's maybe three sessions. Right. Maybe. You know? It depends on who does what. Right. When, let, let's go back to the Bloodgate for a second. There's one other problem with the Bloodgate. When you, when you go, get to the Bloodgate, so we're spoiling, so a spoiler alert. When you get to the Bloodgate, <laughs> um, Bosca shows up. That's your other connection to the Dragon Spear Cat or to uh, Scourge of the Sword Coast. Right. Um, Bosca is the sort of evil demon guy who is, who is, uh, who's trying to escape and wreak havoc, basically. He shows up and he gives the players a choice, the PCs. He says, I will. You know, I'll make a deal with you. If you remove this sword from my chest, I will take care of these wizards for you, yeah. and I won't. I'll kill you last, basically. Um, or exactly. you can you can have a major fight on your hands. But the problem is that it doesn't matter what the players choose because it's a predestined ending. Because you're going to get transported to the Doom Vault. That's why I don't like the way they connected it. Mm-hmm. So it's not even just that you're it, you take care of it in the first half of the first session. It's that it's a false choice. What happens yeah. when you get there? Wait, 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 Sam. You could be TPK'd. <laughs> yeah. That is true. That's yes, a choice. You, yes, yeah, yeah, that's well, a great choice, yeah. And Sam, it's funny because I thought the, like, the easy solution to that for me was like, you could still have people go through the Doom Vault and just have the Bloodgate be the last thing that you, you know, that you, that's mm-hmm. what you have to do to get to the Bloodgate, is you have to go through the right. Doom Vault. Um, so it was a little like... You know, like the end of Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker is like, I've got to fight Darth Vader. And it would be like if the beginning of Return of the Jedi, he fought Darth Vader. And then it was like, mm-hmm. now we got to get home, I guess. You know, yeah. and you watch them get home for the yeah. rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, in, when I ran at the encounters, uh, one of the players decided to sh- 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 tro- uh, like fire at uh, the pit fiend, Basca. He didn't do much damage before the the group, the pal, and went at him and pushed a sword in and just took the choice away. Mm-hmm. Took the choice away. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. No. So I think I think it's generally uh, agreed that the hook is is weak. Yep. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. The, the connection to the previous book is weak. The the getting is. I mean, even the whole getting you into the adventure not only feels a little, little railroady, but like. This what, what, what uh, Siriana is that her name? The Red Wizard, Sirana, yeah, Sirana, yeah. So like, 
of all the people in the world, why does she randomly happen to know see see what's happening here and grab these strangers to come yeah. and 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 take on her cause that are just as likely to kill her that as help her? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. the the whole setup seems a little bit weak. That said, I found that the the dungeon itself, the Doom Vault, was interesting in terms of a mega dungeon. Mm-hmm. I, I found even the encounter with uh, in the the Bloodgate Keep to be well designed and interesting. Lots of cool yeah. things going on. Like there's a lot of cool stuff here. Um, you know, if I'm going to run it as in, as a home, if I'm running it in encounters, there's a certain amount of railroading that you, that I've come to expect from organized play. Yeah. That's part of the organized play process. Yeah. Um, if I'm running it as a home game. I feel like if I can come up with a different reason for them all to go to the dungeon, you know, fix the hook, <laughs> then I then I sure. I think there's something valuable here, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And well, I look, think there's... I, I have a list of things that I. I mean, I've got you know eight likes and seven dislikes. So you know, I, I agree. There's a whole lot, but we you know. Yeah. The, the unfortunate thing is, it's the very first thing. Oh yeah. And oh, yeah. unfortunately, also, if if uh, any of you listeners who listen to our review of Scourge of the Sword Coast, the value of that adventure for me, one of the things that it, I had said nil. was the value of it was going to sort of depend on the, how it p- interacts with this one. Right. Because they're a set of adventures. They're not two separate adventures. They're meant to be one and then it's sequel. And unfortunately, because they don't really – because it's such a paper-thin connection, it kind of ruins – the other adventure for me. Yeah. Given what we now know about this bu- this product, I cannot recommend Scourge of the Sword Coast at all. Mm-hmm. One thing that re- reading Dead in Tay, it reminded me of the uh, fourth edition adventure, Pyramid of Shadows, where mm-hmm. the premise was the same of you go in, you get sucked into, into this big mega dungeon, and basically the players have to escape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and, the, and the, each... I like the fact that each section, each zone, no, not zone, sector of the Doom Vault is a di- totally different environment and totally different mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. creatures you'll so right. that that is a that is very beautiful just to see. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of set. There's a lot of environmental effects and set pieces, yeah. and and not just like your generic ones. Like, what's the one that's really funny? The pig room. <laughs> the one where yeah. you go in and it's it's like they're holding pin for pigs, which is their food source. Mm-hmm. And but there's all kinds of really cool things about that room. There's this floating disc, and there's all these planks, and there's pieces of uh, stone that you can move around. And if you get mobbed by the pigs, you're kind of stuck. And it, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in there, even though it seems like a silly setup at first. And there's a whole bunch of rooms in 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 this place that are like that, where interacting with the environment is really interesting. Yeah, I found that, yeah. uh, that there were more interesting rooms and encounters than than just sort of standard ones. Yeah. yeah. So. It was very very well designed. Now now I could see if I was running it as an encounters and and we had multiple groups running through it. Like th- there is the potential that that one group could end up in all the boring places and kind of huh. miss out on the fun. You know, because yeah. if you're not the group that gets to find the chosen and and help convert some of the the red wizards and all that kind of stuff, I could see where you might miss out. Um, and there's also some suspension of disbelief I have to do if I'm doing it as a home game where you know one group is going through all of it. Well, how long can they really do that before the Thayans mm-hmm. you know notice you know and come down there <laughs> right. to put it into it? You know. Well, that's um, why they have the alert level in the game. Well, right, but mm-hmm. but you know it, it makes sense and it works uh, with multiple groups because you know multiple small groups could assault the place and do a lot of damage in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but but one group trouncing through the whole thing over the course of, you know, what would be, I don't know, several weeks, uh, at some point yeah. Zaztam's going to realize the threat and just show up and blast them. <laughs> well, and also the dimensional barriers that are around each sector really throw a wrench into it if you're playing with a home group. And it's clearly yeah. just a contrivance and to keep it's, people it's separated. Cle- it clearly is, and I hate that. Anything that nerfs a because pe- basically what it does is it nerfs a couple of spells that could be used to move around or to detect things or whatever, and it keeps the party in a particular set of, yeah. of rooms. But it's also and easy just to ignore that and say, okay, it's completely easy that. to ignore it, but it's one of those, you know, you mentioned suspension of disbelief. It's like, well, you know, that kind of thing, it's just a complete contrivance, and it doesn't really make any sense. Um, I wonder. There- Go ahead. Oh no! Well, I mean, it does make some sense if in the public play part, in that like you want to kind of keep them to one area. But does it make so, sense realistically that Thayans would do that? Would make that mm-hmm. magical barrier? 
Well, given that some of them don't like each other in the dungeon, <laughs> yeah, it might might help keep the peace. Um, but I also kind of wonder because uh, Schwab had Rob Schwab had that article. I think a few years ago now where like he was talking about zones and I know he, uh-huh. he wasn't the yeah. writer, but I kind of wonder if they that. had started to go that way and then didn't quite do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm okay with that in terms of dungeon design, but putting actual dimensional barriers on it, it just, I don't, I hate, I hated when they did that in old school modules too. And, you know, I love old school stuff, but oh, I yeah. hated when, when they would give the DM instructions, oh, it does, you know, don't let your players cast phase door or dimension door or, you know, walk through walls or whatever because that's just not allowed here there's a there's an anti-magic spell it's like what it was a it's a separation of concerns kind of like in big big business because remember she also couldn't leave where she was by design uh because they didn't want her to know too much Mm. yeah yeah exactly so they didn't want anyone thing to know too much about the dungeon Mm. but Mm -hmm. i understand it is totally just a yeah Yeah, it also Uh, seems to me that like over half of the red wizards that you run into uh, the named red wizards that you run into are completely convertible. Mm-hmm. Like, you can totally, like, if you run into a yeah. Red Wizard and they have a name, there is a really good chance you can convince them to join you. Yeah. Right. You know? Or at least you can convince them to let you move through that area without making the alert yeah. level go up or without sounding the alarm. Which is, a, know, one, they, which is on one hand interesting because, mm-hmm. great, now we have all these non-combat ways of, of moving through interesting story and all kinds of stuff. You know, that's cool. On the other hand, it almost feels a little overdone. Like, I feel like by the time we finish an adventure like this, it would become a bit of a running joke that there were no actual loyal Red Wizards of Thay and Thay. Oh, no, there's one. The guy yeah, who's one. actually – yeah, at the end, right? Yeah. Um, well, there, so there's really something really cool that happens speaking of the different zones and stuff. Um, there's, there's that uh, – the special encounter table that they do. They do a really interesting thing. So what they do is you can roll random encounters – um, that occur aside from the regular uh, things that are in the rooms that the, the party is going to. And the thing is that when you first start out, there are no special encounters. But as parties go through different areas, they can run into creatures who, instead of fighting the creature, they can actually free the creature. Because the part of this thing is all these creatures are here and they're being kind of experimented on or used for Drained. life energy and all that kind of stuff by, by these red wizards. And so, you know, I mean, there's this huge list of creatures that you can that you can free uh dragon turtles the bar guests and odiug even some beholders and abeleth you know like a huge there's a that's just very small sampling but what happens is they don't just get free and then leave like they're gonna go rampaging through the rest of the dungeon so then they go on the special encounter table Mm -hmm. so now if another group happens to roll you know on their encounters table if they roll a special encounter they might encounter one of these creatures that another group in a different part of the dungeon of the of the Doom Vault have let have set free, which is really interesting because then it also sets up maybe they can also parlay with them and say we'll show you the way out, you know, instead of let's fight this dragon turtle, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> um, so that's a really interesting thing that they did on, the, and so that's the really good part of it. But on the second, you know, on the other hand, there are so many varied creatures in this. Yeah, huge dungeon. It's like there's. It's just a showcase for monsters. Like every iconic monster, every kind of monster that you can think of, except a dragon, is <laughs> ironically <in> this. <laughs> ironically, is in this Doom Vault somewhere. Well, and, and a lot funny. of them are done really well, but you know, not always. I was gonna say, is there a beholder? But yeah, there is actually. There yeah. is a beholder, yeah. and in fact, you can set it free. Uh-huh. And that's page forty-four for uh-huh. those of you following along at home. <laughs> yep. It's yeah. funny you bring that up because that was uh which is very silly. Like there's there's a whole thing about this with the adventure feels like it's the Pacific Rim of adventures in that like you don't go for the story, you go for to to fight some cool stuff and the have some really great design. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but it, it I, the multiple creatures thing to me, I was like, "Oh, I guess this is the why the vault has these magical railroady walls because they don't want the creatures to intermingle cuz if the oozes got into the sea part of the thing, something bad would happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that was my kind of justification for it. It was like, we've got so many experiments running around. We don't want them getting but, through the walls into the zones they're but not But the zones in. don't actually stop them from just walking from right. one zone to another. It just stops them from <laughs> teleporting. They, and most yeah, of them can't teleport. To, yeah, they happen to all have dimension keys so they can go right through. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true. Yeah. That's very true. <laughs> well, and it kind of felt a little bit like a video game to me reading it 
Yep. Mm. Which was interesting to me because like one of the biggest th- complaints about 4E was it's supposed to be a video game, and I understand from the mechanics point of view. But this, like with it, it's like you unlock, you have to get the keys and unlock things. <laughs> Felt more like a video game. Yeah, and each dungeon, each part of the vault is like its own level, like with themed bad guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. not that that was necessarily bad, but I was just, it was just amused me. Yeah. So one thing I did like was uh, they have this area called the seclusion crypt, where if, if the party gets hurt, um, they could actually... Uh, find the um, the seclusion crypt, and it's a very nice touch because it it allows them a safe place to sort of convalesce. But when they're in there, it's kind of a pocket dimension, and time doesn't pass on the outside, but time passes on the inside, and so they can rest and heal up. But when they leave the seclusion crypt, they age immediately, something like a month for every hour or something. They were in there, yeah. so. That's actually a real. It's a really interesting kind of neat little thing. And mm. if they if they continue to keep going back there, they end up there's. Uh, I think they get injured or something. They they no longer can enter that dimensional place without other I consequences. I think it was max hit points or something. Is it? Yeah, their max hit points goes down by five or seven. It's a pretty devastating. Yeah. You know. So basically, there's a real big impetus to give them this area to rest in, but there's consequences. And they're kind of neat role-playing type consequences at first with the aging thing. But then if they keep going back, it's going to really cause some ma- – it's just a nice touch. I really liked yeah. that part. Yeah, I think there are definitely some things that they were, they were trying to fix common complaints from older mm-hmm. adventures, like 4E adventures in particular. Things like that, like how do you stop people from taking the rests? Um, mm-hmm. an- another one was uh, just – the public play, a lot of the complaints I heard was that the stories don't tie together. So while they're loosely tied here, at least they tried to sort of mm-hmm. bring mm-hmm. stuff around and, and uh, tie it together a little bit. And uh, I, like, the only- I like how much it, it connects to you know the, all the Easter eggs to the Sundering books and, and right. the previous right. adventures. Like that, that stuff's kind of cool. It makes me feel like yeah. there's value in being involved in the larger continuity. Right. So, yeah. so as an example to the listeners, uh, Curran Corvalin was in Baldur's Gate and he, he ends up being the chosen, chosen of Timora. And so he, you can find him in the Doom Vault and, and rescue him. And both right. the, both the Reaver and the adversary in the novels are all about mm-hmm. Thayans trying to collect Chosen, and that plays right. out as the sort of thing he, going on here. Right. Yeah. Right. The, the only thing that I'm not quite convinced on is they did away with skill challenges and instead have you do three skill rolls in quick succession. Huh. Right. In a lot in a bunch of the areas, and I can kind of see it because each as long as you pass the first one, each one uh, ratches it up a little in the tension. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. not, I don't know if I really want to roll a die three times in a row. And, and, or unless it's in the middle of a combat or something, it, does, it just doesn't sound interesting. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Another thing that's sometimes not sounding in very interesting is all of the various times during this uh, module where you are either being read a description of NPCs fighting NPCs or talking to other NPCs. Yeah, there was a and real risk of, like, of NPCs uh, getting too important. Yeah, it was it was very boring. At but some again, I, I I quickly got to the point after the hook was so weak. I quickly got to the point of how could I use this in a home game? Yeah. Uh, right. And, and oh, yeah. m- most of those NPCs yeah. probably go away when I run yeah. it as a home game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the advantage of because like, the, pretty- the dungeon is awesome. Like the encounters and the 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 settings and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of really cool stuff there. You know, you mentioned the, your your resting place with consequences, and that's the style of design that shows up. Like, like in over half of the different locations and encounters and stuff. Like there's interesting yeah. things like that going on a lot. Um, and they so- solved another problem too. And that was one of PC death where they have that walking dead condition. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you actually can become a walking dead and then you can't leave um, yeah. unless you find this particular laboratory. But the thing is that in that laboratory, you, your, your contact, what's her name? Sirana or whatever. Sirana. Serana, she doesn't know how to actually activate it. So she tell she'll tell you that you know if you perish, you 
your energy can be manifest and you can come back as a walking dead and you have certain little consequences, but you're basically the same. That way, mm-hmm. if, a, if a player has a PC die, they're still basically playing that same PC, but they can't leave the Doom Vault unless they find the laboratory that will allow them to get their life essence back. Yep. And when you get to that um, actual area, there is a way to find out how to do that, but you, it relies on role-playing, which is very good because if you just go in and slaughter all the people that are in there, you never learn how to do it. Right. Yeah, I love that. I thought that was one of the best things uh, about this, particularly for an organized play game to help that with that suspension of disbelief of like you're trapped here rather than roll up a new character who also got accidentally on purpose transported to the Doom Vault. You know, this was a great way to uh, to work around that. I thought it had a lot of good um advice for dms you know i didn't think it was perfect all the time Mm -hmm. but i think more than the other sundering adventures that we've seen for dnd next this sort of uh assumed like okay maybe you don't know everything there is to know about being a dm Mm. and here are some ways this could go down here are some things you can do but hey if you're running short on time skip that and go ahead to this thought that all of that was really good and it seemed they they add this coordinator role for organized play, um, <laughs> and it seemed to rely on the coordinator being the one who had the most experience, and then maybe one or two of your DMs could be new if not all of them were, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah. you also mentioned how this compares to the other, uh, what, what I guess we're calling Sundering or D&D Next, uh, mod, you know, everything from Murder and Baldur's Gate on uh, in terms of adventures, uh, and I feel like this is the one I'm most interested in actually doing something with. You know, all hmm. the previous ones are like, yeah, you know, there might be some things here to take out or that one might be okay or interesting or whatever. Um, but this is the one that I actually feel like, you know what, I could I could rework the hook and, and actually run this dungeon. And I think it would be actually kind of cool. Sure. You know, and I also like the fact that the stakes are high. Like this, you know, at, at a relatively low level and, and all that kind of stuff, it, it would have been very easy in the, in the theme of the previous um, adventures of, you know, the stakes – are one thing, but it's not going to change the world or it's not going to be completely, it's not going to shatter everything, right? Uh, but this one can, I mean, you're literally taking on Zaz Tam and have the potential to to shatter his plans and change the way Thay works in the Forgotten Realms in a pretty significant way. Uh, and it, yet it makes sense that characters of, of this power level could pull it off, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and just without without even that overarching story, there's a lot in the dungeon where there can be some really great role playing opportunities. Like, mm-hmm. um, when, especially when you get to like the chosen, the, the area with all the chosen. There's one. What is it? I, I sort of laughed. It was um, this uh, female elf who was the chosen, and she. But when she was when they were doing experiments, they they fused her essence with Talona as well as her normal like elf uh, deity that she was mm-hmm. the chosen for and so she has like when she attacks she's fine when when it's just a normal thing but if she goes along with you and she gets into a battle she turns into like this schizophrenic person or this multiple personality person where she spends you know 50% of the time being a chosen of Talona and and really being vicious and arguing with herself about she doesn't really want to act that way and and it's just kind of a neat like can you imagine being in the middle of a combat and like one of the NPCs starts acting really strange and it actually gives, you know, ideas about, oh, well, here's how you, you know, you can deal with that and make it a thing, you know, and it's, it's a role playing thing that actually integrates with combat and you don't usually hear about advice and stuff like that for that. Mm-hmm. So I liked that part. No, there was mm-hmm. a lot. The, my only, like the the chosen stuff was really cool. The phylactery things that we get into at the end are really cool. And it has an end, which is be- automatically better than the last uh, <laughs> one we looked at, right? <laughs> um, you know, um, but uh, the one th- thing I was really excited when I got to the bits with the chosen was, oh, I wonder what chosen of what awesome gods they've sort of thrown in here that would be super cool. And then get through it, it's like, oh, it's mostly like middling gods at best mm-hmm. like you got <laughs> right. Il- you got Ilmadar uh, and you got Tamora and and o- Tamora only because it's one of it's one of the NPCs that you know from a previous adventure um but that makes sense though right cuz he couldn't take the cho- he he's gathering chosen but he can't gather all the really powerful chosen i mean that's kind of the whole point is that they need them to be weak enough to be able to take yeah, I, their Saz team should be able yeah. to take take on one or two chosen. You know, but he's not doing it by himself. He's got all his minions doing right. it. 
Yeah. I just felt like it would have been awesome if there was, you know... Yeah, g- oh, g- I know. G- give me, a, give me a, a, a Torm, a Chosen of Torm, or, you know, give me a Chosen of... You know, some god that everybody's like, oh, it's that god. That god is, you know, is the Forgotten Realms <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And, and not necessarily one... And I understand, like, you can't do Mask. You can't do, you know, uh, Umberly. You can't do some of the ones that are being used in, in the novels. That, that, that makes sense. Um, but there's a lot that aren't being used in the novels, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that um, there's a, there's a couple of things like that are sort of like so you have to go through and disrupt these black gates, mm-hmm. but when you disrupt the black gates, they actually produce more power. <laughs> and that's yeah, how, and I that's that how, too. That's how the Serana lady, the NPC who rescued you, quote unquote, rescued you. That's how she knows you're succeeding at your task. Is that when you disrupt the black gate, they get more powerful? Well, that isn't like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it just seemed really kind of not. It's like not intuitive, but they don't really explain. Like I could totally make up a reason, but it's like of all yeah. the things that they, you know, it seems like they, they put one more sentence in there to sort of say why that happens, or I don't know. I mean, you know, you could make up whatever. Well, it's because they get more powerful because now the power is not so contained and it's sort of yeah, sprouting. It's, it's unstable now, but it's, yeah, it's unstable. But but they don't even, do, you know, it's just one of those like. Uh, and and also there was one other thing, it, um, when you talk to um, one of the liches in the in the thing. It's like it has this text and it says, oh, he turns his milky eyes to you and he says whatever. It's like, since when does a lich have milky eyes? <laughs> <laughs> this one does. This yeah. one apparently does. You're you going to tell me all liches look the same? <sighs> no, but like it's sort of <laughs> iconic that they have these points of, of light in their eye sockets, right? I mean – they don't have milky eyes. I don't know. It just <laughs> that was just one. It's just one of those really weird. Like I you know I'm OCD, so I just you know. Hey, I, maybe he has contacts. Yeah, yep. he, yeah, he's got milky contacts. Yes, thank you, Bao Shen Lom. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's your your gripe with it. <laughs> no, I, I was just saying it's sort of one of those little idiosyncratic things that I sort of just picked up on. It, it, did, it didn't sync up with the image in your head of what it yeah, is. it didn't yeah. sync up. It was like yeah, because everything else was like oh, it's a really cool scene, and then huh, what? Yeah. How about typos, Sam? Speaking oh. of OCD, did that bother you? Because it bothered me. Um, I, you know, I'm used to. Uh, I hate to say this, but I'm used to Wizards products having quite a few typos. I mean, I just am. They yeah, just, there, there weren't enough in in, yeah. in in too many egregious places that that it really took me out of it. Sure. Unlike some other adventures, Dragon Spear Castle that we won't. Yeah, name. that one was really bad. <laughs> yeah. One thing yeah. I felt reading this one versus the other ones was just that there were a lot more uh, for women in it and a variety of women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yes. I really liked that part. Yeah, and like not always damsels in distress or or evil, you know, right. uh, seductresses. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and if you killed them, they didn't all have these mirrors that told them how beautiful they were. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and it felt like they made a real effort to to try to at some points mix up the like make sure that there are women who mm-hmm. are just the red wizards. This red wizard happens to be a woman. This other one happens to be a man. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. No, well, and and it, it actually it's one of those things that makes you know we've been told um, several times by people like Ed Greenwood who invented the realms, right? That that in the realms. Men and women hold equal status and and are equal in every way, shape, or form, or whatever. With you know a few specific cultural ex- uh, exceptions or whatever, um, but seldom does that actually play out in the products mm-hmm. and in the books and the things, right? Yeah. So this I mean, is this is one where you know you could kind of ignore the the gender difference between them because they're basically the same. Yeah. Well, I made the joke uh, on Twitter that it's like they is more gender equal than. Yeah, the, the yeah. good places. Yeah, the <laughs> evil nation of Fae. <laughs> I bet they're equal in, Z- well, in the Zintarum too. <laughs> we have that one area where with the dark elf, right? The drow who's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you know, he's trying to uh, get over the fact, deal with the fact that he grew up in a society where women had power and men didn't, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. <laughs> One thing that uh, the encounters gives is a six uh, NPC cards for so, some, that they mm-hmm. give out, which has a background and the and some uh, role playing notes. Mm-hmm. So with the with the image in front, which is a good prop to when the when the PCs is talking to an NPC, so they, like they have Serana, Chalandra, 
Kelsen, Lumalia, Lanis, and Faya. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. so one thing that I don't qu- quite know, cause I, and hopefully somebody who's been playing it uh, would, is that keeping track of all this information, because like, there's lots of little details in each of those rooms where it's like, if this person's still around, or if they did this thing, mm-hmm. uh, this happens. And I'm just, I wish sometimes that they would have uh, another way of presenting that information. To make it like on a on a cheat sheet for the DM, where you mm-hmm. could be like, "Oh, they did this in this room. Make sure you mark in this other room that this is going to happen." Right. Similar to with I mean, with Baldur's Gate, they needed like a timeline, right? You know, yeah. that showed everything. Like that would have made it a lot easier to run. Yeah. And this this has a similar thing that it needs. But I think they're accounting on the event coordinator right. yeah, to be able to do that. Yes, but because you basically have one guy whose full time job is to keep track of that stuff, right? Right. Yeah, but even that person doesn't have a like pre-formatted way of doing that. They have right. to, no, each person has know. to invent it for themselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. Even in an encounters yeah, it, it program, they don't, they don't give the event coordinator at the encounters program any tools to, to keep track right. of those. Right. In and fact, this, it says one of their jobs is to learn how to do that. It's like, well, that means make up your own way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, they're just trying to embrace the old school uh, style of gaming where a lot of it was, you know what, stuff happens, make it up. Sure, but it would be – I think Tracy's right. It would be a pain in the butt, especially if you were running the adventure um, not as part of organized play. Like I don't have an event coordinator with me if I'm trying to run this solo. Yeah, but you, you also know? have the advantage of only one group changing anything at any, any one time. Yeah. That's just mm-hmm. like running any mega jun- dungeon at that point. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, I would say the same thing about any mega dungeon. It'd be cool if they. Yeah. No, I don't think I don't think it's a it's a it's a flaw against the product to not no, have no. that. I think it's you know what this would have been cool, but you know whatever. Yeah. yeah. No, that's all. It would be, it would be a bonus uh, online co- free contact or something like that to to add to help out a sheet because this game the the. The Doom Vault, which is one thing that I find interesting, is that it basically has layers, and as the group advances through the module, it unlocks more interaction within the dungeon as stuff gets unleashed and other stuff interacts within the the Doom Vault itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because like, even for me, uh, uh, reading through it, when I started getting to the parts where they're saying, when this person has two pieces of... Uh, lore about the dungeon to give to the adventurers. I think they had a list of that somewhere once. Yeah, at the beginning yeah, of the chapter, there was a big yeah. list of lore. Yeah. But I wouldn't remember, like, I had lost track reading through it mm. where I would go to get that information. It's one of those things that if it was a physical book, I'd have stuck, I'd have stuck a sticky note in it, but it's not. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, in order to be able to run it at encounters, I actually printed off sure. the, the, the documents and Two pages per two pages and double sided to save uh, paper, but it was it's still uh, just so I can easily keep track rather than flipping through on uh, the iPad for uh, between pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pa- yeah. Paper is paper is a bit quicker to to do that than than going through uh, on the PDF uh, a PDF reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, Wizards of the Coast has these really nice, full color, full bleed like pages that just kill your printer if you want. Like, mm-hmm. I would love this if it was a print product, but I'm be damned if I'm going to print it myself because it'll kill my printer. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Because, you gotta because go. they make beautiful things that go edge to edge. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I can't. I can't afford to print yeah. it all. Yeah. No, no. You have to commit white collar crime at work and yeah, and print out <laughs> all out yourself. I. uh the one thing I did like about this was all of the uh, – I know we talked about how it is pretty ludicrous that there's all of these different monsters running around. And that's one of the things that contributes to the video game feel. But one thing I do like about that is that now I can cannibalize that for my D&D next game and right. you know help fill out the extra monsters that I have. And I do feel like if I don't want to run a mega dungeon – I also now have these nine individual dungeons that I can pop oh, into sure, any yeah. game. Right. You know? sure. Yeah, so, and the and themes cool. are so rich that you could 
pick and choose, mm-hmm. you know, what you want to bring into your actual game, and it would actually make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not like if you take one sector out, suddenly it's like a sector of a dungeon out in the middle of nowhere with no connection. Like it's <laughs> themed, so you it actually does have a connection if it's you put orphan. it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, it's an orphan. <laughs> uh, one of the things I might steal is that uh, soul-stealing magic item thing. You got cursed. Your, uh, a random character within, I think it was like 50 feet, if you put a magic item on the altar, uh, the soul mm. their soul was taken out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, but yeah. as long as the character starts holding the item, they're fine. Spoilers, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was cool because, like, you were able to do this pretty hefty curse without uh, making it so the player just sits there and like, well, now what am I going to do? Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, I love that, and I love the white maw. The white maw is definitely <laughs> going. Oh, that was game. really neat. Oh yeah, yes. <laughs> the, the, the ooze grotto was just fun with the, all the intelligent oozes just mm-hmm. going about. <laughs> I like the, the, the description of all the experiments and things they did in order to slowly make the oozes intelligent, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot that's very good in here. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the last cube who does the duel in the pit kind of reminded me of the Jelanus cube from uh, the webcomic Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. Any other thoughts? It sounds like we're starting to wind down. Well, I just I know Sam's got a list. <laughs> well, most most of the stuff we hit. Um, there's only two things I have left. The, the first one is it's. I wanted to jump in, Jeff, when you were talking about how it seems like every red wizard that you meet is like you can turn that person and, yeah. uh, and convince them to to at least ignore your presence, if not to to help and support you, um, except for Minnick. Who is the guy, the red wizard in the very beginning, who is uh, showing you how to get to the Bloodgate to to do the things? Mm. He goes in, and it turns out he's working with Bosca, which you didn't know, but he, his information was correct, and he gets you to the Bloodgate. But then turns out he's working with Bosca. Well, Bosca is a you know trades him. You know he he completely is a trader. So he he lets. Minnick run away and Minnick gets stuck in the Doom Vault because he goes through the Bloodgate. And you can find Minnick, but of all the Red Wizards who might want to be turned and could now be against Zastam and, and for revenge on Bosca or whatever, no, no, no. Minnick now is still mad at you and he's going to try to kill you. Of all the Red Wizards mm-hmm. that that could happen, it just seems like, oh, why would I like some, some, some things in here I would make a different choice in my home game? Um, so, but that brings me to the next point, which is about organized play. So I would completely run this differently if I was doing it at home. But if you're going to run it in organized play, you kind of have to do it the way that they set it up. And even though it can be run with one group, it's really best with multiple groups. And it could be great for organized play in a big venue, but not necessarily even in a small venue. You know, most, you know, I don't know how many... FLGSs have game rooms big enough to run four different tables of D&D players, mm-hmm. you know, every Wednesday to yeah. run through this and make and, it and worthwhile e- for a coordinator. They even sort of imply that if you're running it as a home game, just assume that there's like three other parties of NPCs yeah. out there doing yeah. their stuff. It's like, I d- right. no, I don't want to do that. I don't if like I'm doing, doing it as a home yeah. game, I want yeah. my players to run through the whole mega dungeon and see all right. the cool stuff that's in here. Mm-hmm. Right, but aside from that, uh, in terms of marketing, here's something we haven't talked about. It does not say anywhere on the outside of this product that it's for multiple groups, mm-hmm. or that it's even even has the ability to be run for multiple groups, or that you might want to try to set it up for multiple groups and have a coordinator and all. It doesn't say anything about that anywhere. All it says is an adventure for six eighth level characters, yep. and that's a little bit misleading. Of course, if you're an awesome D and D player and you listen to the Tome Show, you don't necessarily, you know, whatever. But and it's a proven right. fact that all people who listen to the Tome Show are awesome D and D players. That's yeah. right, of course. True. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, just just a little point there. I mean, you know, it doesn't bother me. I was going to buy the product anyway, but you know, if you really thought you were getting a second half to the sword to the scourge of the Sword Coast, and you're running with your home team, this or your home game, your home group, whatever, your home team, yay. Um, <laughs> It might be a little disturbing when you pay your seventeen dollars for it. 
Right. Yeah, Se- I- 17 bucks is a lot for a PDF, okay? And if yeah. you didn't know that this wasn't going to work well for your home group, that's a little sticker shock. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why think so, about everything we've said, you know, um if if you did buy it and you are sticker shocked, uh <laughs> think yeah. think about ways you can cannibalize pieces of the adventure and still use it to get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sam, uh, in in regards to the multiple groups on the Dean Classics in the description it does mention about the event coordinator and the multiple groups. Where does it say that? Cuz I'm looking at it right now. I was, I was, uh, I was trying to find that myself. If you go to uh where it says continue the encounters, and it is one, two, three, the fourth paragraph where it says okay. how are, I don't know. It's, 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 it's inside this big zone. But Howard, the biggest inspiration of Dead and Tay was the introduction of an event coordinator, a role used in today's game's vault, Vault of the Dracolich, but never used before in encounters play. The event coordinator manages, manages uh, the interaction of multiple groups of players all playing the same adventure. So, yeah. No, it's it's it, yes, it's there, uh, buried in the middle of the fourth paragraph yeah. of the third section of the description. Yeah, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not like big lights here. Shiny. And also, it's under a heading that says product history. <laughs> Actually, it's under a heading of continuing the encounters. Well, so. but it's, that's under the the overarching that's, product that's history that's a different, tab. That's a different heading, though. Per- so it's it's all that's under description. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I, 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 yeah, but I'm sorry. Just still, it's not, this is not, not. It's not an obvious point. And I and I read this product history the other day, but I didn't. I wasn't paid because it doesn't say. Yeah. Okay. I mean, well, you got a point. It does say it on the page somewhere, but it's like very. If, if you're reading the description very carefully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, but it's also it, who's doing that in a time when we're like so hungry for D and D products of of any kind, you know, because there haven't been any in a long time. So I feel like uh, a lot of people are not going to take the deep dive into the fourth paragraph yeah. of description. So no, yeah, no, it's it's not well established. And even this description isn't really. It doesn't really say to me that it's. That it's so heavily weighted towards multiple play that well, it's been the, most of its time talking about the inspiration and and the yeah. connections to the other seasons and and adventures and things. So, hey, Eric, I had a question because you're you're running it or playing in it. I am running it. Have has your any of the groups you know gone through near the beginning? There seemed to be one dungeon area that was particularly full of gotcha rooms. Uh, Did, uh, one of them was like the. It turns out that you actually want to walk over the pit traps. Yes, they haven't gone to the, that section. Okay. Um, no, we're only we're we're only this week. We only did the the second session. So basically, okay. last week was the Bloodgate Nexus. So they just now started. So the two places they've gone was one group went to the Abyssal Prisons and the other one went into the uh, master's domain section, so... Okay, yeah, I was... Because that was the only thing, because I know... uh, I think, Sam, we've often talked about uh, gotcha Mm -hmm. dungeon areas, and that one, it was like... It seemed kind of cool in a way, but also seemed to be one of those things where pieces die. Well, there's a couple where it's also not exactly clear how they're going to... This is the problem, how they're going to figure out... Right. What to do. And if they're careful players, they're doing all the quote-unquote right things to do when you see pit traps and all that kind of thing. But they're still getting gotcha by it. That, punished, that's punished that's the problem. Yeah, they're getting punished for it. Yeah, I do remember reading through that and thinking that on a, a couple of the specific yeah. rooms. I can't remember which ones they are right now. Yeah, which can can sort of be annoying for an D and encounters program, which is more aimed towards new players who might have not experienced D and D, so they don't have that old background of all the steps you would normally take for taking care of of a dungeon of exploring yeah. a dungeon. I, mean, I don't, so have, I don't will, have a problem with with throwing a gotcha, ha ha ha. I I I turned things on its head and, and the opposite of what you expected happened. Right, uh, every now and then. Um, I don't know. I guess it works but for me sometimes, but it depends on the stakes sometimes too. Yeah. yeah. If it's- I think I think there might be. You know, there's also um, it's as I read through these, and this is completely my opinion. But as I read through the sectors, there were some sectors where I thought, "Wow, that's really cool," and some where I was just like, "Eh, okay." Yeah. 
And I think in terms of the group play aspect, you know, I would hate to be in the team that sort of got randomly sent to the blah section. Right. And the other table next to us is like cheering and having all this fun stuff. Like, and I I don't know that it's that extreme. I, that's probably a, a not a very good example, but you, you get what I'm saying. And like some a, some of the areas awesome are definitely appealing. Yeah, some some areas are yeah. definitely more appealing than others. Yeah. But yeah, I was I was concerned when I I read it because it's it's fairly early, and then I read all the other stuff, and I was like, oh, okay, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The advantage of multiple groups is they do get a means of communicating with each other. So, and they do get so also they can interact and maybe switch members of the teams and stuff like that mm-hmm. during during no well, so so they can coordinate or where they want to attack and they do ha- they do get access to a a, a map of the area mm-hmm. so they can. Yeah. yeah, what's her name? Serana teleports in four maps. That was another one of those things where the way they worded it was really mm-hmm. like, wait, she knows the Doom Vault. She's sitting here telling you about it, and she has to teleport in four maps to, to give to each group. Like that, just why do you teleport in the map? It was just one of those things. There <laughs> as, a, as opposed to, you know, pulls four maps out of her pocket. Right. You know? <laughs> exactly. Like my, if she knew she was teleporting all these groups here to help her, you know, get rid of the Doom Vault. So she has to teleport in maps. It was just it was show just off. Weird. She's got to make was, a show of it, you know. I guess it, it was just what I just sort of chuckled, you know. Um. <laughs> Apparently, she's a specialist in teleportation magic. She's really I, I good at so. doing crazy yeah. stuff with that, but can't she's, do a lot of other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I think uh, if we're going to do last words or something, I, I think. If you if you buy this product, it has some really really great stuff in it. But um, if you're going to run it at home, you're going to have to do a lot of work to to get it to where the the sections that you use match up with your players' interests and and abilities, and and you can figure out how to how to make it meaningful for your for your own group because mm-hmm. uh, it, it really is heavily set towards group play. So it's going to need a lot of work to not be doing. I don't know play. if I'd say a lot of work, but it's going to be some work. Well, but there's also a warning in the the book itself talking about how uh, the monsters are still a little iffy. Yeah, I thought I, I thought at the beginning it said that, and that you may need That's... to adjust everything depending on your group. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, when I say difficult to adjust, I don't I don't necessarily. So here's the thing: um, this is a mega dungeon. It is huge, and mm-hmm. if you send your party, if you're playing in a single group. Uh, with your home group and you're going to expect them to go through and clear this whole thing out. You've got a really long campaign in front of you. Yeah. And, and, and mega, mega dungeons can be really great, but they can get kind of boring, even though all the sectors in here are really interesting and there's lots of different stuff going on. And so it might be, you know, you might want to cut it down. I'm just saying, you know, you have to know your group. So if your group, if you don't think your group can deal with, I, just, I, I also don't think it's necessarily choose the pieces that you want to use for them. I don't think it's necessarily as long as a, of a campaign as, as you imply, though, because um, in in my experience, next moves relatively quick. Like I feel like I might, you know, I could run a group through this and we could clear two sectors a night. You know, well, they they expect a a zone which is about four rooms uh to be to be cleared within one encounter session which is about two hours right so and and you know if i'm running a a four or five or six hour session i could clear out a decent chunk of it each session you know it'd be a it'd be several sessions but but it wouldn't be a huge year years long campaign no no, i don't mean i don't mean years long but you're also are you going to let them leave and go back to town or how are you you know there's just things in there there are logistics in there that you need to consider if you're that's true yeah yeah, you know your group. If dungeon crawls are not their thing, you know, or multi-session dungeon crawls are not their mm-hmm. thing, then this is probably not the adventure for them. Or break it up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. You can pull out two or three chunks of this and still have a really great session or two, mm-hmm. and get get a majority of some really good stuff that's in here, and none of the bad stuff that we talked about. Yeah. <laughs> Any other last thoughts? I see. Buy it. Tracy says buy it. Tracy likes it. Yeah, I, overall I give it like an 8 out of 10, you yeah. know. I'm not I'm not disappointed in my purchase. No, I'm not even, if you're going to choose between this and Scourge of the Sword Coast. Pick this. <laughs> 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 
Now, this is easily oh. my favorite of the D&D Next Adventures that we've seen. Uh, or at least of the Forgotten Realms-y ones. Like, there's been some that have been more uh, separated, you know, generic or whatever, but... You mean playtest ones? Yeah, some of the playtest ones are... Because all know. the ones released so far have been in the Forgotten Realms, right? Mm-hmm. Have it's they? It's been Go- Ghosts of Dragonspear Castle, Murder in Baldur's Gate, the um, Neverwinter we- one. What do we consider the... Um, things like, what was it? We were just talking about a second ago. Um, Vault of the Draculich. Vault of the Draculich. Like, do we consider that? Oh. D&D Next? It's, it, it, was um, a, it was a game well, day thing, right? it was a D&D Next thing, it was wasn't D- it? It was D&D Next. It was, but it, it's also in the Forgotten Realms. Because it? it has, yeah, it it even has, someone from that is actually in this, uh, there's a thing from that that's that's related to this particular. I should know better. I play tested that one. Yeah. Plus, that's where, uh, that's where they had the headsets. I just mm-hmm. call them headsets. Oh, yeah. oh, that's, that's what it is. Yeah, the the telepathic things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the completely contrived way that you can let your groups communicate with each other. other. Yeah. <laughs> Jared loved that because I got to play that in Germany, and he was our. Our uh, leader for the table, and he liked going downstairs and talking to the other group all the time. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it's I'm it's 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 okay for something to be cool, but it can still be completely contrived. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> Just no, like totally. The walls and barriers between the sectors completely contrived, and oh, I yeah. understand mechanically why they do it, and I, I appreciate that they allowed for a way for the team captains to communicate with each other with these little circlet things or whatever the headsets that's yeah. a really cool thing it's just completely contrived that's yeah. okay yeah. i mean it's magic right it's most of it right i mean that's i'm i don't mean that as a complaint i, I know it sounds like the a complaint, entire not. dungeon was created by somebody it's, it's all contrived. it's all contrived, it's all contrived. <laughs> yeah that, that's that's my point right yeah. <laughs> it is the pacific rim of adventure games it's, it's, it's the, the, Mike, the michael bay yes. as, yeah. as DM, yeah. does everything have to blow up Oh, of course. Okay, of course. <laughs> awesome. All right. Are we out of last thoughts? We are. All we right. Are. Yeah, there is also, there's a nice uh, after the credits tease for Tyranny of Dragons uh-huh. uh, at the end of this yeah. adventure, too. Which I, I suspect we may be talking about coming up, although maybe not, because uh, Tyranny of Dragons stuff is coming out at the same time as... Um, all the core books are. We, we had it, yeah. I suspect we'll be spending quite some time dealing just with core book uh, reviews for well, a few months. And the Tyranny of Dragons, the first two things, or I don't know if there's only two or what, but the first two are written by Wolfgang Bauer and Steve Winter. So if you know those designers and you like oh. those, I recommend, I recommend picking those two things up. <laughs> that is kind of awesome. I didn't, I didn't realize that those two were the, the writers. Yeah. yeah. Those the, the two primary designers. Now suddenly I'm way more interested in yeah. those products than yeah. I was yeah. before. Yeah. So so after a year of almost no dragon adventures, we're going to have a full year of full of, of dragons. dragons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to call this the end of the episode unless anybody has any last thoughts. All last right. Thoughts. I want to thank Sam Dillon for joining us. I want to thank you. Jay- Go ahead. You can welcome <laughs> Sorry. me. I was just going to say you're welcome. <laughs> I Thanks think, for having me. <laughs> I want to thank James Interqueso for uh, joining us. You can hear him over at the Roundtable, which has been coming out weekly lately. Uh, and I think you've got, what, two more that you've sent me that are in the hopper that I haven't even scheduled yet? Yes, that's correct. Man, he's got me scheduled out for like months. <laughs> well, I don't have well, you haven't kids been or releasing... a graduate degree. Yeah, you get, you, you've got two episodes edited that I haven't released yet. Yeah, yeah. You you, ha- you haven't been releasing the ones I gave you. So. Yeah, it turns out I've got stuff going. Into the school yeah. year is coming for me, and I'm getting slammed. So. Oh, I know. I'm just <laughs> saying, Tome Show listeners, listeners, it's not all the editors. It's, it's not all the editors' fault. Sometimes it's, it's, it's time. It's me. If somebody else wants to help write show notes, that would be great. Let me know. Hmm. I don't know who that's directed at. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, Eric. Eric, do you want to write some show notes? <laughs> there you go. Possibly. Speaking of Eric, we've also got Eric Paquette with us, who you can see over at the Tome Show Book Club, and all those guys can be seen other places, too. <laughs> <laughs> nope, that's not true. We only exist when you're talking that's to right. us. <laughs> We're all virtual existences. I mean, you all have other websites and things that you do as well. We are We're all, all contrived. contrived. <laughs> <laughs> You're all contrived for my convenience. That's right. I am the Pacific Rim of D. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Does that make me oh. Michael Bay? Do I get to blow you up? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> 
Very good. Uh, and all of you are at a point now that I should probably just put you on the about page uh, as, uh, you know, Tome Show authors and contributors and whatever. So Sam's there, Tracy's there, I'm there, but I haven't added any of the other multitude yeah. of people we've added to our lineup. So. <laughs> In any case, I also want to thank all of you out there listening for supporting the show, heading over to thetomeshow.com and using our affiliate links and, and, and doing all that. That's kind of awesome, too. Yep, which yeah. is where you should go if you want to buy this adventure, Dead and Say. That's right. Definitely. That's where I went. <laughs> Me, too. And, and if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Show notes and all the other great Tome Shows can be found at thetomeshow.com. And that is episode 237, where we teamed up with ever other adventurers, freed the Chosen, and turned half the Red Wizards of Thay to our side, as we looked at Dead in Thay in this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm not a